The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's another playoff Thursday. We are granted another one here in Cowboys land, and that, of course, means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys as they set themselves to take on the San Francisco 49ers this weekend in the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Tom, who'd have thought we'd be in this position as I'm joined, of course, by my host, Tom Ryle. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB. You can, of course, follow me at RW3, both on the Twitter sphere, and you can follow our content at Blogging the Boys and bloggingtheboys.com. Tom, uh, you know, an extraordinary performance that the Cowboys put together, arguably the best playoff performance. I think the single best playoff performance of Dak Prescott's career, arguably one of the best playoff performances we've seen of all time. And yet the Cowboys go into this weekend finding themselves underdogs against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. If you ask me, as we will get into the keys, Tom, uh, of this game for the Cowboys, I don't think the Cowboys could ask for a better position to be in. And the reason I feel that way is because there are so few examples over the last couple of years when the Cowboys weren't the favorites, when the pressure was all on their (laughs) shoulders to win the game. And I'm telling you, I don't think there's an iota of pressure now on the Cowboys, despite the history, right? Uh, Based on the performance they put together last week, I don't think there's nearly as much pressure on them to win this game as there is on the other side for a team that has won 10 straight and that many are thinking has all the pieces to make a Super Bowl run as long as their quarterback can hold it together. Yeah, I think that is that's very very true is that the uh the the pressure certainly less on the Cowboys. They first off they just took care of so many things that they couldn't get past, you know. Uh Road playoff game. They weren't supposed. To, they hadn't won those in forever. Uh, you know, they they had the the stupid blue tops curse and the playing on natural ga- grass curse. Tom Brady playing outside curse. Tom Brady curse. Uh, Dak know, Prescott they, turning the ball over left and right every other game. Yeah, they're going to do something about that and find a fix for that. Uh, yeah, they found a way. That was that was shocking, really, that they turned so much around. And literally, I had talked about flipping a switch in an earlier article, flipping the switch and all that. That just really usually doesn't happen. But the Cowboys flipped not just one, but multiple switches. There was Prescott himself. 
who just went from looking as bad as he's looked in his entire career to as good as he's looked in his entire career. I mean, that's the most extraordinary game-to-game turnaround, you know, I can ever remember seeing for any player, really. Uh, that was, was of course, key. Uh, Tyler Biotish back on the offensive line, and suddenly the offensive line was looking – Solid, good, not, you know, they're not great. I can't go out and say that, but. Well, until we lost one there at the end, Tom, we lost one there and and we'll get into that, what type of impact that'll have, because, you know, the whole reason the Cowboys came with the offensive line that they did was because they wanted to put the five best offensive linemen on the field and no disrespect to Connor McGovern, but he was on the outside looking in of that, of that class. He's now firmly square in the middle of it. I think coming up this weekend. Yeah, well, that was that was the the good thing to me was that I don't think they could have handled uh, having to make another switch uh, with the uh, left tackle and left guard position the way they did if they had not had Biotish and his uh, protection calling abilities as the so-called quarterback of the O line there. Leighton Vanderish had the same effect on the other side of the ball. Everything just clicks when he's back there uh, with the the green dot on and relaying the calls to the rest of the defense. Um, Even the the wide receiver situation, which has been uh, a thorn in their side for so much of the season, worked worked well. Uh, You know, Dalton Schultz has become the passing target, which is kind of interesting going up against a team that has George Kittle to see which of the two is going to have the best game. But he has, he is, is so steady and so reliably yet the rest of the wide receivers as a group certainly carried their share of the load. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, I feel better about that than I think I have all season. One reason being that Michael Gallup is really starting to look like the Michael Gallup of old. That that touchdown catch he had was a kind of a remarkable bit of athleticism. I don't know if they could have overturned it, turned it on his foot being out of bounds anyway, because you it was so close you couldn't really see from the camera angles that I remember catching during the game. Uh, so I couldn't yeah, really this, see the tip. I couldn't really see the tip, to be honest with you. But you have to go into slow motion. You see it just brushed between his fingers. Okay. Uh, so, you know, and, and there was a replay where you could clearly see the ball changing direction just a couple of inches, not enough to throw Gallup off, but it was it was visible. And so that was a weird rule I got to learn about that I was not aware of, uh, how it would play out in that situation. So that was kind of a learning experience during the game. Well, yeah, this – this it just last season, even though we talked ourselves into the fact the Cowboys were going to roll over the 49ers in the wild card game, I always I, I was feeling bad because of how the season had ended uh, for the Cowboys last year. They had a late season slump, just like they kind of did this season, although they didn't lose very many games in it. Yet now, instead of that, we're coming off of this really rock-solid, dominating performance. You know, the Cowboys got up to 24 to nothing 
uh, for the biggest lead of the game. And that was just too much even for Tom Brady to, to overcome. Yeah. Uh, and he would have had to have a lot better weapons around him uh, or, or certainly the offensive line situation was not favorable for him. So that it just was over. And now, yeah, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm, I'm like really super confident a Cowboys win because I'm still trying to keep that show me. And I, you know, I want to carry that all the way to the bitter end here. But I feel this, they have a really solid chance here if they don't revert to some of their mistakes and maybe they can do something about a couple that, that they still are, de- are dealing with, one of which has also been developing in the latter part of the season and the other of which just suddenly came up out of nowhere. Yes, of course. It wasn't all perfect for the Cowboys against the Bucks because that 24-point scoreline uh, came as a result of multiple Missed extra points from Brett Moff. Her four in total. He did wind up making one to end the game that kind of got them to like a normal score again at the end of the game. I thought that was a little <laughs> bit funny that like, yeah, you might just think that was a normal game, maybe four touchdowns and a field goal. Not quite. Right. But either way, <laughs> I actually, um, I got to tell you, Tom, I, I did not like the fact that the Cowboys brought in a kicker. This week, and for those who don't know, the Cowboys signed Tristan Vizcaino. Um, obviously, had spent some time with the Chargers, was on the Cowboys practice squad way back when as a, a competitor, and it doesn't seem like anybody's really considering him to be a legitimate option over Brett Maher. Which is why I say I think this was kind of pointless. If anything, you're potentially maybe getting in his head even more by bringing competition to highlight the fact that he's been problematic as opposed to allowing him to say, look, man, brush it off. It was one game, fix your own head. And we trust you to be that guy because ultimately whether they say they trust him or not, if he misses the first extra point, they won't attempt another one in that game. I don't think (laughs) so to me, like it's all kind of laid out. You're still going with Brett. He's still your guy, but at the same time, I just don't really see the point of bringing in a practice squad kicker to like mess around with him in practice. Yeah, I will will defend the staff on this one. Don't I don't think they had any choice because let's say Maher just poo-poo's his bed uh, again, then what do they do? They they missed the opportunity to at least have a guy in the building practicing with, with anger as his holder, uh, getting that bit of chemistry down and just mm. getting familiar with, with the team and everything. I don't think they could afford to not at least have the emergency backup in place. Uh, they hope they never have to use it, just like a pilot and a jet fighter hopes he never has to use his ejection seat. But, you know, having it there could prevent disaster. And let's say they had to make, make them, let's say they win and they need to make a move before the, uh, the, the championship game, the conference championship game, because they just do not trust Mar. At least get a guy in there that you feel fairly confident is going to get you that one point to add to a touchdown. So I have to think this was the only logical way to go. What can I say? 
Well, again, I, I feel like it's maybe just a little bit of window dressing because ultimately, you know, I don't think they'll activate him this weekend. And if you needed him next week, you could go grab him. But I see your point. It's actually a totally fair point about getting him some time with anger, timing wise, uh, getting them just on the same page. Cannot hurt in that regard. So yeah. point Tom you, on that. You're going to have to quit being so agreeable. We're never going to build up our listeners if we don't sit here and yell back and forth at each other with angry, pointless. That one, takes. I mean, <laughs> that was a good start. That was a good start. We don't have a lot of those. So let's move on then uh, as we look forward to the Cowboys taking on the 49ers. Of course, you know, there's a lot going into this, right? There's the extra time off that the 49ers have had. We'll, of course, ask questions about that. But really, as we do every week, the five things that we kind of feel like are the keys to a Cowboys victory come Sunday. And Tom has the accompanying article that you can check out on bloggingtheboys.com for a more full scope. Yeah, I think it worked out to six this week. Uh, just kind of glanced through it. But yeah, the, I think the big thing, and this is going to be a fascinating one because there's a couple of schools of thought on this. And it's one of the, the reason I mentioned the hot takes is I was watching something about somebody picking all these things that, that uh, Brock Purdy supposedly has over Dak Prescott that make no sense. But you've got the quarterback that just had the best game probably of his career against a guy who has come in and now has won six straight after being called into duty unexpectedly. There's a remarkable parallel between the success that Prescott and Brock Purdy have had uh, in their rookie season, Uh, because this is probably the best rookie quarterback performance since Dak Prescott's rookie year, when he came in, of course, came in and had to start the whole season and won 12 games. Uh, You know, that's a remarkable achievement. Now Purdy is trying to go even better by, you know, advancing past the Cowboys. And it's really incredible because he's now the most relevant, Mr. Relevant, I think, in the history of the NFL draft. Uh, But that raises some questions. If you look at who they were playing when he beat them, has the guy really faced a ferocious pass rush? Uh, I mean, you know, I hate this argument because people use it against the Cowboys. And, yeah. you know, but, like it's unfair because the Cowboys can only beat who they face. And quite frankly, the Niners division was not all that impressive this season. Yes, Seattle kind of came out of nowhere, but they ultimately flopped in the end. The Rams were a dumpster fire, as were the Arizona Cardinals there at the end of the season. So, you know, they had six games against teams that weren't a whole all that impressive, but I do also feel like they handled up on those teams pretty easily. Yeah. And that's that's all well and good. I think there's a testament to the the coaching from Shanahan. Um I think you have to look at the fact that, you know, kind of like Cooper Rush was, Purdy was dropped into a, a roster that had a lot of other good things going on uh, that he can play to. But I'm I'm fairly confident that this is going to be the best pressure he's going to face uh, all year, uh, even if he goes beyond, because I, I – I, think the Cowboys are better than the Eagles or the Giants, one of whom would be the uh, the opponent in the uh, championship game, conference championship. 
and, and I just I think this is going to really test that steadiness, poise, whatever you want to say, uh, decision making, because uh, he's going to have some issues uh, flying at him that he's not seen before. Uh, look how much the Cowboys rattled Tom Brady. He just missed some passes, was having to throw the ball at people's feet because he knew he didn't think he'd get a completion. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's been playing football since the 1950s now, I think is, is what it is. So he's seen it all and he still got rattled. Purdy hasn't seen it all by any uh, scope of the imagination. I think Prescott's experience will let him handle what I think is a, a pretty good pass rush uh, with San Francisco. They got Nick Bosa, you know, he, or he he's he's a monster. He single handedly almost accounted for half of their sacks. He has eighteen and a half, and their yeah. team has forty four. It's absurd. yeah, he's he's way ahead of of Michael Parsons in sacks. Yet Dallas has got ten more sacks this season than they do, which is a very rough way to evaluate things. That still indicates Dallas is the more ferocious pass rush, and I certainly think Prescott, with his mobility, Purdy's mobile too, but he doesn't have those finely honed instincts like Prescott does. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the Cowboys are just in a better chance to handle this. And if if they can get Purdy to kind of crack a little bit early on, I think they can really kind of take control of this game. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, Brock Purdy has looked really, really comfortable over the last couple of weeks. And it's gotten to the point that, you know, people are kind of criticizing him now saying, hey, is he a system quarterback or does he really have this, you know, is this talent for real? Well, keep in mind the 332 yards passing he put up last week for the 49ers is the most passing yards by any quarterback not named Joe Montana. That's more than Steve Young ever put up in a playoff game. And to be quite fair, He has looked like a guy that can get it done. Now, at the same time, are his weapons and his coach doing him a ton of favors? Absolutely. And I want to say something about that thing. I think almost all NFL quarterbacks are system quarterbacks. There are a few like an Aaron Rodgers who can pretty – or Patrick Mahomes is another guy who they pretty much mold the system because their talent is so impressive. 
but by and large, I think that's kind of a a false argument to bring up about whether you're a system quarterback or talented. Uh, you have to have certain talents to make it at this level of, of athleticism and, yeah. and skill. And some players, uh, Peyton Manning would be the prime example, make that up here. Others use a mix of what they do up here and arm strength uh, and, uh, you know, just throw in the accuracy. But I, I don't think that's a knock at all on, on yeah. Purdy that Shanahan is the one that has put him in this position. Because I think Shanahan could probably have taken other quarterbacks and gotten similar results. Uh, I'm not going to hmm. say anybody could step in and win six games in a row. Well, hey, there was might Jimmy Garoppolo some... doing what Brock Purdy's done? Not to my recollection. Yeah. So I do give them a lot. I give them a lot of credit. I obviously give Shanahan them a lot of credit and, you know, uh, the offense, a lot of credit because they got some serious weapons. And I think it's the best collective group of weapons that the Cowboys will have faced this season. Is that a fair statement to make? I mean, I think Tampa, you know, when you write down all the names, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, that was a formidable group, but it still it doesn't compare at all to Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey, and Kittle, right? Yeah, we'll we'll talk we're gonna talk about some of that because I think that's where the, the matchups come in. Um and and I think a a part of it is going to rest also on the offensive line because that hurt Tampa Bay. And I think they're having some injury problems with the uh, the Niners on their old line. But you mentioned the matchups. One of the ways I looked at this was the matchup between Leighton Van Der Esch as the general of the offense, so to speak, to borrow from uh, the guy that preceded him there, uh, Sean Lee. He is going to be, I think, be the key against both the running game featuring Christian McCaffrey and the tight end receiving game, which also kind of includes Christian McCaffrey because he's such a weapon out of the backfield. And I think that's going to fall mainly upon uh, upon Van Der Esch and where he positions the rest of the linebacking group to handle that. From what we saw last week, I think he can do an excellent job. He was playing all over the field, and when the uh, the Buccaneers would throw, had two pass breakups, both of which he might have been able to make picks out of. So that is going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, McCaffrey is a handful. He, he is so versatile. They even use him as a, a deep receiver sometimes. And so – that's going to be not just what can Vanderish do personally, but how how does the position, you know, Anthony Ball and and Jaron Curse who comes up, and when does he get a little help from Donovan Wilson, who's a guy that you really like to have going out there to remind people that maybe they should be very careful about catching balls around him. Uh, that that to me is going to be a real chess match. Now, last week Van Der Esch was a grandmaster. And if he can continue that, I think it will help greatly in slowing down the uh, 49ers offense. 
Well, the other thing is, is Van Der Esch's ability to identify the, you know, the plays that are going on in front of him and not get caught up in the window dressing that the 49ers like to bring. There's going to be a lot of motion, a lot of Debo movement in the backfield, a lot of Christian McCaffrey movement out of the backfield, and they just need to be mindful to stay within their lane, stay within their coverages, and not get caught up in what's going on there. I'll tell you one guy in particular, though, that I want to make sure that Leighton Van Der Esch has an eye on because I just have a really bad feeling is that type of guy that you wouldn't expect to make a big play in this game, or maybe you would because there's four other guys that you can name and you forget about him. But Kyle Juszczyk out of the backfield, if they let him score a touchdown or if he's on the field, they just need to be supremely aware of where he's at. I know that sounds outrageous considering the other talent that'll be on the field, but I really think they try to dial up something special or sneaky with him involved in it. And I hope the Cowboys are smart enough to catch it when it happens. Now, thank you for saying his name because I always bungle that one. Uh, Juice. But, I don't want to hear either, <laughs> any of that either. I'm not going to do it. But, yeah, he is a he is a, another element. And, and, yeah, that's going to be one to watch. But the Cowboys do have the hitters. And they play – they've been playing some pretty good Bruden defense up on the front four as well. And that's a, a big help. Uh, so we can hope that continues. Um, getting Jonathan Hankins a back back really helped. He, he he showed out on the sack he had, but I think he really shores up the whole run defense up the middle, which the Cowboys need. Now you mentioned Debo Samuel and Bri- uh, Brandon Ayuk. That is going to be a, a, a really good matchup between them and the Cowboys secondary. And a week ago before last game, I would have been much more worried about this. Uh, the, the Cowboys have uh, Trayvon Diggs, who is steady. He's not been spectacular this year because he hasn't gotten the picks. But he's had a lot of good coverage and not as many busts. Uh, he's still I've, – I've seen him once or twice make what look kind of biz, business decision-y uh, tackle attempts out there. But uh, mostly he's very solid. Rookie Deron Bland has really exceeded expectations, especially given where he was drafted. You know, when they, when they lost both Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, you knew there were going to be some problems, though, uh, in the cornerback room. Uh, what are they going to do for third cornerback? Uh, you know, boss man fat <laughs> hasn't come through. Um, uh, you know, the they've signed some people, uh, got Xavier Rhodes in, uh, uh, Trayvon, I forget Trayvon Mullen, who did, I don't think, uh, he was listed as being out with an injury. I saw somewhere, there so. was an illness. It was yeah, an illness. An illness he was out with an yeah. illness. Nation Wright was just a healthy scratch, which was a surprise to everybody. And then, of course, kind of the star out of nowhere for last week. Yes. Israel Mukuamu, who they moved yeah, in he, from safety to play that slot corner and played it exceptionally well. And he's a big guy, tremendous length that he, he used pretty well. Uh, he was credited with two pass breakups. Uh, didn't really get beaten that I saw, although – I think he got away with some holes, some extra contact a couple of times to which I just say, well, okay. Uh, you know, there were only like five flags thrown in the whole game. And so both teams, I think, were getting away with stuff. We'll just, I'm, I'm not going to complain. That's just, okay. 
it, the, 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 the chips fell where they did, and they kind of worked out the Cowboys' favor, and fine, I'll take that and just run hey, away with it. Hey, let me just say a quick that. sidebar on that, though. I kind of hope this game is officiated the same way. I think that plays into the Cowboys' hands because they're going to have to do the same thing. They're going to have to get physical with these wide receivers and this tight end because, Tom, yeah. there are only – Right. Uh, th- there's no other team in the league has more than two players who average per reception more than two yards of separation when they catch a pass this season. The Niners have not two, not three, but four of them. All four of those guys that I mentioned. Now, granted, perhaps some of that is the scheme that Kyle Shanahan uses to get those guys wide open. But even if you look to last week, right. Uh, next gen stats charted that Brock Purdy of his 30 completions, nine of them were made to guys who had more than five yards of separation at the Mm -hmm. time they caught the ball. So it's not like he's having to be pinpoint accurate. He's just finding guys that are getting open because of the scheme. So the Cowboys definitely, I think need to be physical. They need to take those chances on getting a flag here and there, right. On a defensive holding that maybe cost them five, as opposed to giving up the big play, uh, that you know breaks the top off the defense. I think that's something that Dan Quinn should be talking about in the room this week. Yeah, and I think the Cowboys got lucky in the official draw. I believe they drew the the Vukovic, Bill Vukovic crew. I'm not sure about his last name, <laughs> but I understand that out of the four crews that they had, that's the crew that is least likely to get flag happy. And I think that is just a little way that the odds may have broken for the Cowboys. So the next one on the list is obviously the Cowboys run game who, you know, despite their poor performances in a lot of ways, like the Cowboys running game has kind of found its way somewhat of a level of consistency. I have to say, Tom, I love the way that they finally made it kind of the Tony Pollard show, right? It was, it felt like, you know, a 60, 40 split in Tony Pollard's favor. I think that kind of what it needs to be going forward. If they want to have a chance against San Fran. Yeah. And it's, it's not so much that they made it the Tony Pollard show It's that Tony Pollard is the show he's getting the gains. Ezekiel Elliott just isn't uh, about all Elliott is really benefiting the team with is his ability to convert like third and ones. And even then he gets stopped sometimes uh, as he did on the third and goal from the one. Uh, and then Dak Prescott had the, the one of Kellen Moore's two or three just great plays when he just rolled out and Dak, had, Dak didn't even have to break into a full run. He just trotted into the end zone on that one. Um Elliot's just, for lack of a better word, he's a disaster on first down. You don't want to have him run the ball on first down. I think they ought to just quit that idea for a while. Uh, maybe let Pollard try some, but go ahead and, and go heavy pass on first and second down, especially first down, and try to keep from getting behind it. At least that way, if you get behind the sticks on an incompletion, it doesn't sting the same way as you're running back getting half a yard getting stopped so i i think that at least psychologically that is definitely the better way to go and then there i think more has to tell more has to take a little bit of blame though he needs to be scheming these 
running run plays better. And I'm just not happy with the, the play calls or the play design or whatever. It just isn't coming together for them. Unfortunately, I think we maybe saw the end of uh, – what did they call that package? The, uh, with with McGovern in the backfield and kind of that diamond formation. They have a name for that, and I can't remember what it was. So someone please hit me up with that on Twitter. But either way, unfortunately, it might be the end of that. Don't think uh, Jason Peters is going to be able to make it and suit up in this game. At least that's not kind of what we're hearing, right? So there is still a potential that he could recover. They're not shutting him down just yet. Not saying he's out, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to go for this weekend's game. So we'll obviously keep you up to date that on that. Check out bloggingtheboys.com with the pre- and post-game show, of course, as we get you ready for that. Tom, the next order of business, though, uh, is somewhat of an emergence and really, I guess, a major question mark for next year, although we don't want to have to answer that question just yet. But as you mentioned earlier, Dalton Schultz has sort of found his way again to being one of Dak's most reliable wide receivers or pass catchers, that is. And uh, it begs to be asked, you know, whether or not He's earned himself another contract with the Cowboys. I don't think we're that far yet, but hey, I'll throw it out there just to let you chew on it a bit. And ironically, uh, all rookie Jake Ferguson does on his very limited catches is make big plays. He had the longest play of the night on a 34 pass completion that was he just got the ball in open space, another one of those good Kellen Moore play designs, and just ran to daylight. Uh, I think if Schultz doesn't get the contract to stay in Dallas, I think that will at least partly be because they think they've got enough with Ferguson and a little flash every now and then from Peyton Hendershot to be able to, to weather it. I Fortunately, we can put that discussion off for at least another week. So let's, uh, you know, right now, let's get win the game. And the way the tight ends and wide receivers work together was very solid. Uh, you know, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup combined for 110 yards and two touchdowns. And the best thing was Lamb looked like Lamb, just kind of like he always does. Uh, including another one of those incredibly easy uh, touchdowns where he was so wide open because of a brilliant play design. It's, it's nice to feel repetitious saying that, isn't it? Uh, but Gallup looked more like the Gallup of old and had what I think was a key Kickstarter kind of a moment when the Cowboys had gone three and out twice, just couldn't get anything clicking. Fortunately, the defense did the same thing to the Buccaneers. And then Gallup, caught, uh, uh, I think, a 15-yard pass to give them a first down. The it was third initial... and six. It was their first completion of the game, really, like that meant yes, anything. Yes, it was. And it was critical. And it was a little bit offline. He made an adjustment in the air to catch that ball and bring it down with his feet inbounds. That was, like, everybody reacted on social media the same way, saying that looks like the Michael Gallup that we all remember. And it, it's, it was the beginning of the four consecutive touchdown drives. Yep. That, that basically largely sealed the game up. And so, uh, you know, and, and Noel Brown and T.Y. Hilton didn't have a lot of catches, but they make key catches at times. So 
I think we're finally seeing the Cowboys kind of get this wide receiver thing figured out. And that's just because, as, a, as we said, Gallup has finally gotten to what we were hoping we would see after coming back from this injury. Well, let's just hope they don't start the game with three basically nothings as they had two drop passes there in that first series uh, there against the Bucks. If they can get out to a little bit hotter of a start, that'd be nice on the road against a what I feel will be a infinitely more hostile crowd in San mm-hmm. Francisco than what we saw in Tampa. Yeah, there's a lot of history there. And even though it was a, mostly a long time ago, last year kind of got its gin back up. And, you know, some of the great playoff games in NFL history have happened between the Cowboys and the 49ers, usually at the 49ers home field. So, you know, I'm not going to mention that play. You don't need to. Yeah. So, but a lot of great games have come out of that. And I'm hoping, you know, we'll see another good one. Although, I wouldn't mind if this becomes boring because the Cowboys get a big lead early and and hang on to it. We we kind of talked about the six point up at the start because of the breaking news um, about them uh, signing a kicker. Hey, even Uh, still, if it comes down to it and the Cowboys are. Oh, God, I'm trying to figure out how I would couch this. I mean, if the Cowboys are trailing by three and you're at the 40. And you still got a little bit of time left, but it's fourth down. Are you kicking it or are you going for it? I think we may see McCarthy get a little more. I think you uh, go. Accepting of the risk. Yeah. I think right. And I actually, really this is happen. why I think it may wind up being an undercover good thing, Tom. Forcing yeah. us to be the aggressor, forcing us potentially into some two-point conversions. Now, granted, we don't want to be forced into it because we missed a point already, so we're chasing points. But it might be kind of cool to roll one of those out there here and now in the playoffs when it matters. Yeah, and I hope they just avoid having to have that field goal with time running out to tie the game or win it. Um. But if it happens, I mean, we are all going to be just hiding behind our couches, <laughs> afraid to watch what happens. Oh, man, it will be one that we will never forget if Brett Maher's yips continue here into the postseason and wind up sending the Cowboys to the offseason. But with that said, Tom, again, I'll go back to it. The Niners opened as four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that number is down to three-and-a-half now. So clearly the favorites here in this game – How do you see it playing out, and will the Cowboys be playing next weekend? I really am optimistic that they will. Um, You know, I'm trying not to get sucked back in too much. You can. It's okay, Tom. Now's the time. If if ever there was a time, you've held off long enough. You're allowed to get sucked at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you had to say it, didn't you? But I, I would, I think this is going to be like a six-point margin, and it may come down to uh, because Mar missed a field goal. I mean, after pointing in, <sighs> uh, but yeah, I looked to form to win by win by something like the Cowboys win by like thirty-four to twenty-eight. Yeah, I, I just. I have a feeling too. I have a really good feeling. I'm not nearly as anxious 
as what I was even a week ago, not as anxious as I was what I recollect a year ago going into the same matchup. I feel mm-hmm. like the Cowboys can play kind of loose here, and hopefully it plays in their favor. If nothing else, uh, they've got to be loose because they only played five days ago as opposed to the nine or seven days of rest. But Mike McCarthy says won't be an issue, won't make any excuses about it. Hey, uh, would have liked to have another day to get Jason Peters back healthy, maybe. But other than that, Cowboys looking pretty good. Niners looking pretty good from a health perspective as well. So we'll see how it all goes down. And, of course, we'll have the pre- and post-game for, for, show for you. You can find us on Twitter Spaces as well. Make sure you check that out on Blogging the Boys, uh, at Blogging the Boys, right after the game. And for Tom, I'm Roy. Stay riled up on the Cowboys, and let's get us a win in San Francisco. We will see you next week. Next week.